it was on my radar, some sense of like, you know, in TV writing, you need to be really good about taking notes. And in some cases, just like do writing what your boss tells you and the playwrights, oh, they, they're, you know, they, they want people to respect every comma that they write. Um, yeah. which, you know, I mean, maybe that happens if you're a dead playwright, but my experience <laughs> is not true if you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also I just found if anything, I felt like being a playwright was, was very helpful for me. Welcome to I Went to Film School, the podcast about film school and life after film school. Uh, joined by my co-host, as always, Moss. How you doing, Moss? I'm I'm doing pretty good, Zach. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm great. I'm like um, writing and studying for the LSAT again. And, Hell yeah! And, right? Yeah, it's fucking sort of. I wanted I wanted to write it again. That was the just can't wait to put myself through that again. I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm, I'm mostly kidding. I'm kidding. Um. And uh, I'm actually like, although I am going to be a PA on a on a, like a talent to watch feature next week. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool! Hey, so I got to tomorrow. I have to go and do a bunch of pickups and drive a cube and terrify <laughs> myself by driving. I'm going to be I'm for, for once. I'm going to be like the prick in the in the on the highway driving driving a truck very slowly, like just barely the speed limit because I'm terrified <laughs> of driving a really big truck. But well, uh, that's fair. I mean, I'm not exactly jumping at the chance to drive around like a giant U-Haul or something, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, like it's not it's not the fun job on the film set. But, you know, no, it's, it's it's still really cool that you're, you know, like you're still getting work and stuff. You want to know what I've been doing, Zach? <laughs> what have you been doing, Moss? <laughs> Nothing. No, I'm <laughs> I've been. Are you kidding? I've been. No, I have been doing some. I've been working on a videography contract. That's not too bad right now. It's for a startup. It's pretty nice. I do like shooting. Uh, I was shooting a, some bit of video, but also like some of the editing because of my own mistakes. Cause like I, uh, sometimes I'll forget to, I'll forget to bring earbuds or earphones to a set. So then I, I try to boom and I can't even hear what I'm booming. And then I end up hearing like bonks and stuff. Wow. In the, listen, there's Boss, just so like much. Your, it's just, <laughs> that's like your MO is forgetting to bring headsets. Do you remember when we had to record, <laughs> yeah, for, where we had to record Julia's podcast when she came on to count the, the universal monster movies, you forgot headphones. We had to go buy some. We don't do listen. We don't have to go back over this. That. But yes, this is my mo. <laughs> this is this is a repeat offense of mine. I, I never would have brought it up if you hadn't mentioned it. But it's okay. Oh anyway, no, it's fair. It's fair. It's great. It's. it's I'm glad yeah. that we're getting all this on on air. That's lovely. Me too, can... <laughs> right on air, like this is live. We're doing this live anyway. Speaking of doing it live, WKYC in the mornings. No, I'm kidding. But uh, sorry, <laughs> you can cut that. If you want, <laughs> oh no, that's staying in. The second no. of the words left, money. No, but we actually have. I'm actually really excited for our episode today. Today, our guest is Mike McFadden. Uh, unlike us, Moss, he's working in the film industry, and like he's a working TV writer. His uh, credits include uh, Jan, Go Away Unicorn, uh, Magic School Bus Rides Again, and uh, Corner Gas Animated Series, among many others. For the record, he is an accomplished uh, not only in the the TV industry, but you know also in in other industries. Well, as we'll find out, it's pretty great. He's a TV writer. He's a playwright. Um, uh, Mike and I met a few years ago, and he's uh, I think he's been a, uh, he's been a great mentor. Um, he's like read a read one or two of my samples. Um, yeah, we got a great interview uh, interview today. So uh, enjoy. 
So I know because I met you through David's story and um, I know your film school experiences that you attended the CFC, the Canadian Film Center, uh, Bell Primetime Media Program, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I started. Uh, that's how I started as a, a TV writer. Prior to that, I'd been an actor and a playwright and then um, went through the CFC program to make that transition to TV writing. And um, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. That's, okay. So what was your, did you, uh, I remember, I think you told me that you went to York before, did you do a degree before CFC? I did a, well, I actually did a couple of years at the university of Winnipeg <laughs> in the uh, theater department and then uh, went to York university and I did the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the bachelor of arts, like acting program there. And, uh, that was like a four, three year, three year program. And then I was just out in the world, you know, auditioning for chocolate bar commercials and, <laughs> you know, the glamorous life of an actor. Of um, and then for one of the, for the summer works festival, a summer theater festival in, in Toronto, I, uh, they, when they were still a lottery, I submitted an application for a play that I hadn't even finished writing, got in, put on the production and that was my debut as a as a playwright and that play did really well and kind of won the, the the award for the festival that year and led to some remounts and other opportunities um and then as i was the more i was working as a playwright was kind of around the time that you know the golden age of tv and cable was really emerging like you know it was right. You know, it was, we're talking like 2000, 2001, 2002. So it's like West Wing Sopranos kind of thing was really taking off. And I was really sort of, there was a couple of times where I was like, wow, this episode of television that I just watched is better than any play I've seen in three years. Mm. <laughs> by, yeah, my, by my estimation, absolutely yeah. <laughs> not opinion shared by like all of my beloved theater pals. Uh, and then I heard more about how TV writing rooms work and about how collaborative it is and how it's, you know, it's a bunch of people around a table with snacks and compared to me by myself in my basement, you know, really struggling to work on, you know, plays where there really was, a, there's no deadline. Like, right. you know, unless until I get to the point where it's like, we're in, we're, we're, this play is going to happen. We're getting t actors together for table reads. We're going to, and then suddenly it's that like, Oh, all the rewrites before you open. Then suddenly I was like a workhorse and, <laughs> you know, 80% of the improvement on the, on the material was happening in the last 20% of the time that we had. And uh, so hearing about TV, writing as a process felt and the and also just how crazy serious the deadlines can be that right. i sort of started to fall in love with that as a career before i even started doing it and uh my experience since going to the cfc is has borne that out i've been you know really loving it that's awesome oh, can i ask out of curiosity what was the play about that one it was at the fringe festival you said in toronto fringe uh it was it's a similar festival it's called the summer works festival okay. and um uh it was a play called pooch water and it was set in the 1950s about a man trying to solve the mystery of his uh sudden amnesia <laughs> and so i played the main part there was an there's it was a two a two-hander two actors i played the main part it was like started out as a 45 minute play and then in subsequent remounts it got up to about 75 minutes but you know i look back <laughs> i look back on those um on that script now and i'm going like i can it was my first play and it just you know it did it did really well for me at the time but you know now with a lot more experience i'm 
looking at it going like, wow, this extra 20, 25 minutes I added is literally padding. Like it's, (laughs) (laughs) it all should come back out. (laughs) No matter what level of like experience you get, you always look back at your past writing with somewhat, some, a little bit of disdain. Or a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like constructive criticism, but like, you know, a lot of constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, a, like, you know, the, it's like the, um, the notes call or the notes email you don't want to get where it's like a lot of good stuff here. Um, can you just email me the original beats <laughs> so I can see where you, what you were starting with? Cause yeah, we should yeah. probably book a call maybe three or four hours. <laughs> yeah. The dreaded words. Yeah. So, um, so what was the, so I have a question. So then, so you start off as a playwright. Um, how did you first hear about like the program at the CFC? Was it like as well known then as it is now? No, but it was, it was getting recognition. I think almost from the beginning, I'd heard about it because another playwright I knew, uh, uh, Sean Raycraft, who I was, you know, a good acquaintance with, uh, and had seen some of his work and had good friends had worked with them. Uh, I remember one time, he, uh, some, me and some friends were going out for karaoke at the Gladstone hotel pre gentrification. <laughs> and, you know, if I've, someone had mentioned, asked like, Oh, where's Sean? And a friend of his had said, Oh, he had to stay in. He's got like a crazy deadline for this TV show he's working on. And I was like, Oh, really? Oh, he's writing for a TV show. And, and so like third hand, I was like grilling somebody about like how that happened and eventually talked to him a, a little bit about how he had, gone through the Canadian Film Center. I'm pretty sure he, I hope I'm not mixing up people because there was other, also uh, Ian Carpenter was somebody who had, who I knew from the theater world who had also recently graduated and he uh, talked to me about it. Um, it's, it's okay so you do. Bobby Theater, like anyway, there was a, there was a, there was right. a smattering of theater people in my circle who had recently done the program and were out working. And that immediately, I just sort of like immediately pounced on them for like coffee or, you know, read a, read a script or something. And, uh, and uh, Dennis McGrath, uh, who had been a big fan of my play, was a big supporter of me deciding to like throw him to try and get into the Canadian Film Center and wrote me a lovely letter to get in. And so that was part of part of one of the nudges I needed to, to give it a shot. So, but I would say now, <laughs> now I don't know that I would get in with the same, you know, resume I applied with because I think Fair. it's gotten increasingly more competitive as the years went on. I yes. was there in uh, 2006, 2007. Right. Yeah. So yeah, well, that, it, things have changed a little bit since then. What was the application process like? Cause I know today you need, I mean, when I applied and I didn't get in, but that's okay. I plan to keep applying and you're a very you good company. Your, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, uh, well, because like when I applied, it was um, basically it was like a resume and it was an original, it was original spec of a TV series and a spec of an existing series. Was it anything like that uh, when you was it similar to that when you applied? Uh, that it, w- it was the same. Yeah, it was a spec okay. of a, a spec of an existing series, an, a, a spec pilot and a, right. an original work. But I think that original work could be something that was not a TV show. Like, I think you could have like oh, okay. a feature film script oh. if I'm remembering oh. correctly. And you also had to have two, uh, one paragraph pitches for TV series yep. ideas. You had, and a list of your top 10 favorite TV shows. Yes. Of oh, yeah, which that's the like top now, 10. Actually, yeah. yeah. Of which the 1960s animated Spider-Man featured very prominently on my list. Yes, <laughs> let's go. It's <laughs> a great choice. No, you should be proud of that. <laughs> Do you remember what was your? Do you remember what your spec of your existing series was when you applied? Oh hell yeah, absolutely! I'll never forget it. I wrote, I spec that my name is Earl, 
And nice. That, nice. That's yes. Thank you. That one, uh, that one, that script got me into the CFC and got me my agent and got me at least my first job, if not my first two. And one of which was, you know, folks that have hired me, you know, half a dozen times since. So I feel in terms of like the, you know, risk to reward or effort to reward ratio, my, my name is Earl Speck is like stratosphere level that's in terms awesome. of like how well it, how well it paid off. So, okay. So what was, uh, that's great. That's good to hear. Like, I'm glad I just, I'm sorry. I just, I remember, I haven't watched my name is Earl in ages, but I remember when it was on TV and I would catch as a kid, uh, like I was always entranced. And it's good yeah. to hear that the spec went so far as well. Yeah, like, no, and it, when it, you know, and I was it, when I was when I wrote that, the show was you know fresh as hell. Like it was, you know, the end of the first season, and there was some buzz about it, and it had a very very clear hook to it. So it was kind of easy as a novice writer to generate some stories. And in the in my process for applying, I actually went down uh, a few a few like a couple months of a of a blind alley because I was like, I'm going to spec a Scrubs. But I didn't realize that, like, even by then, I think it was it had just had like six seasons or something. Yeah. And I didn't realize how big an ask it is to, you know, try and come up with a, a story they haven't already done, or at least something that's yeah. close enough that within the first five or 10 pages of someone giving it a read, it seems like it's already done. And also just, uh, you know, at a certain point, it's like, oh, well, this is just this, you know things have changed a lot in terms of what people want to read for, for these purposes as well. But very much people were reading uh, uh, specs of existing shows then. And, you know, something like scrubs people had read a lot of, at least in like comedy circles. So it was something that I, I did a lot of work on eventually abandoned and my name is Earl fit the bill. But like I said, like, I honestly don't know that I would have got into the CFC with the same package now, just because I think it's gotten very competitive. Like my understanding is there's people with like, with writing credits who are applying and getting in, yeah. you know, from what I've, I've, I've seen the same thing. I mean, my experience has been like, I've, I've spoken, I've at the, when the Toronto, when we were allowed to go outside the Toronto screen editing conference, I met a few people who had recently graduated. I didn't meet anybody with writing credits, but I've seen like, I don't know if you, cause you're on the Inc Canada Facebook group, right. That Karen Walton runs. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I drop in. Uh, I, I just remember that like when I, like last year, weeks before the application was due, they did like, uh, kind of like an AMA ask me anything with like the, the six or seven people who had been at the previous oh, year in 2019. Smart. That's great. And, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, I, there was actually a lot of useful info, but like, again, a lot, they, by the looks of it, you're right. It has gone a lot more competitive. Yeah. And I, but I think that it has a. I think people misunderstand its its reputation in terms of like, I think there's a there's a sense that if you want to write in television, you have to do that program because there's a lot of grads now and a lot of them have gone on to work, you know, regularly. Um, of course, like any program like that, like a theater, you know, theater school with actors or or anything, there's also just a lot of people who go, I have adjacent skills and I'm going to use them. <laughs> and <laughs> and they, you know, they transition to, to other parts of the industry or or out completely. And um, I, I, you know, I think that the, the thing is, if you were to look at a pie graph, I mean, if I'm just going to go anecdotally, my experience in writing rooms that I've been in, I don't think I've ever been in a writing room where there hasn't been another CFC grad in the writing room with me. 
So yeah, it's like, oh, wow. Everyone who goes to the CFC is, you know, all the TV writers in the country who went to the CFC. But the thing is, if you look at the pie graph of like, who, how did you get into TV writing? The single biggest piece of pie would be the CFC, I think. Like maybe it's a mm. quarter or a third. But then the rest of the pieces of the pie are all tiny little slivers because of there's all these very unique ways that every, like, you know, there's every success story is unique in certain ways, like whether you're coming up as a PA or, or, or a writer's assistant or, or you were a, uh, a stand up or like, there's just a million right. different ways to go in. So I would definitely say, don't be to anybody. Don't be discouraged if you didn't go in through the CFC route, because the majority of the people that I have worked with didn't go to the CFC. They, they just found another, they found another way in ultimately, you know, being a good writer is all is yeah. is the ultimate way to get through the yeah. door um and you know hopefully we're getting doing a better job of you know uh making that door wider and making sure yes. that that's really the the the, cri- the criteria that we're that we're you know if there's any gatekeeping right. going on it's it's that and only that and not a, you know a bunch of stupid reasons mm. right yeah like i i agree with you there i mean in my i'm not i don't have nearly as much experience as you of course but like from my networking with other with you and other tv writers um everyone i met like no one has the same story like i know i know you and i'm i'm forgetting his name but someone he works he now works on um uh the new the newest version of total drama total drama rama mm-hmm. but he went to the cfc as well but I know, but, but the majority of the TV writers I meet, there's always like a different way in. I met someone who works on, he works on Murdoch Mysteries now, but like he started like nearly like over 10 years ago when I met, I met him back in 2015, but he told me that he got his job just because he like went along with his friend to the interview. But like there are, there are, there's like a million roots. In this. Yeah, I know that's a, that's like not the best, as I was saying out loud, I'm like, hey, maybe that's not the best example to bring up in this case. But uh, yeah, I just remember hearing that story and <laughs> But um, there's never mm-hmm. a straight way in, which is both like challenging, but also it's like it kind of I find it a bit encouraging because like you never know how you're going to like make your at least land your first job, which I'm still hoping to do one day. Yeah, no, it's there's it's it's there's just a ton of ton of ways in. And, you know, I've when I was originally applying, there was I was hearing some things of people going like, oh, I hear TV writers don't do well in TV because or um playwrights don't do well on tv because they're seen as like too precious or whatever and i was like that was not i was like there's a lot of different kinds of playwrights you know that right like and there's a lot of different people are different (laughs) but anyway i thought maybe there was there was i i did i was on my radar some sense of like you know in tv writing you need to be really good about taking notes and in some cases just like do writing what your boss tells you and the playwrights oh they they're you know they they want people to respect every comma that they write um yeah which you know i mean maybe that happens if you're a dead playwright but my experience <laughs> is not true if you're alive yeah. <laughs> and uh and also i just found if anything i felt like being a playwright was was very helpful for me i mean there was, there was one of the things that happened while i was at the cfc quite often is we'd have guests that would come in from the industry people from production companies uh, uh executives from from broadcasters um agents and we would do this thing where we would just go around the table us like one you know participant after another and just say a couple of sentences about who we are and what we what we did or what we wrote or whatever and um there was a, there was definitely one day where i mentioned that i started out as like a playwright and now focused on 
you know, uh, I think I was at the time I was saying comedy and sci-fi have written lots of comedy. I have not written any sci-fi, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, the, the comment from the guest was like, Oh, a playwright, someone who actually writes cause they like it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. That's a good spin on like, if we're yeah. going to go with like, um, you know, theater, uh, you know, if we're going to stereotype me, you know, in, in a way, I don't mind that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I didn't, you know, I would say that my, if anything, I do think that the, the value of having a theater theater experience before TV was that I had had the experience of, you know, I wrote the play, I picked the director and we picked the designer and the theater and I fold, I made the program myself. I made the poster on my computer. I folded programs on my lap in costume between shows on a two show day. I have had the experience of getting everything exactly my way. And so now I can have you know, yeah. not have that experience. And I'm okay. Cause I've, I've had that scratch that itch. I've also done other productions, theater productions where I've had all those same things. And instead of, you know, winning awards and getting remounts, it's been one of those two and a half out of five star reviews where it's like, Oh, me getting exactly what I want does not guarantee success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having like a hive mind working on a story, you know, maybe that, maybe there's some real value in that. And now I definitely feel that's the case. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, that's such a weird notion though, that people would say that like playwrights wouldn't do well on TV. Cause I've always like, I mean, I, I was just, maybe that's from my own amateur, like this was you, like, 2000, the like Yeah. It's 2006. People were stupid. They didn't know yeah. what they're talking about. Cause now, like, I don't know. Have <laughs> you heard time. just as, as a little sidetrack, have you heard of the, of the show cruel summer? Uh, no, it's uh you should check it out. It's really good. I won't get into what it's about, but it's basically like a teen drama slash mystery. Mm-hmm. But um the creator of that, Bert V. Royal, like he got to start as a playwright and he wrote, I don't know if you've read this play, but it's called God Meets Dog, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead. Have you that heard of it? That rings a bell. It's it's about it's like a we it's a really good play. I've read it and it's like I, I recommend reading it. It's absolutely fantastic. But um it's a play about um uh, it's a it's a reimagining of all the Charlie Brown characters as teenagers and like Charlie Brown is turned yes. into kind of a bully. And have you heard of this? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. 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 It sounds bonkers and amazing. It's, it's bonkers, but it's so it's so well done. I remember I wanted to read it because I thought it would just be a comedy, but it gets like it like genuinely made me tear up while reading it at the end. And wow. then, anyway, he and I that's as far as I know from what I've read about him, that's like. I mean, that's one of the things I got him to start because he did like off Broadway in the late nineties, I think. But um, now he's got this TV show and I think he's worked in TV before. I don't know Bert V. Royal's whole filmography, but now he's good created for Bert. Cool... That's what I right? say. I say good exactly. for Bert. And it's like, and I also recommend, I know this is, has nothing to do with what we should be talking about, but Cruel Summer, like 10 out of 10 show. It is All right. fantastic. It's going on my list. Right. Can, can I, uh, <laughs> can I ask? Cause I remember, sorry to, to go back to the topic, no. but uh, <laughs> no, I wanted to ask, how would you, reapply now in a more competitive like just hypothetically not like a you don't have to go into super much detail i'm just curious because you say that like you wouldn't apply the same way to the cfc is there any particular way you would imagine now in the new competitive landscape doing it well i think you know i think just with the same package that i had i don't know that i would necessarily have have got an interview because i would be going up against you know i think i think that there's more people applying than ever before so it's just stiffer competition so you know my you know, my, my name is Earl script probably <laughs> would, would maybe, maybe it would have been, you know, I still think it was good, but would it have been like in that top, you know, 
tier to get myself an interview? I don't know. And, uh, you know, I would have been going up against, in some cases, people who have actual experience. That's say I do, I do think I did a good interview. And I think that one of the advantages, like, I, like I, I'm sort of leaning on the fact that I started out as a playwright, but I started out as a playwright and an actor. And one of the advantages that I've definitely found in like pitching situations and interview situations is that, you know, my job as an actor is job interviews. Like it's, it's auditions really. So the idea of having a, a high stakes face-to-face -face sort of interview where I need to demonstrate that I have digested some material and I'm ready to like do my thing with it, whether that's sides for an episode of Murdoch Mysteries, or if it's, <laughs> or if it's, you know, um, learning, a, you know, if it's having read a pilot and some development documents, I feel like you know, not to say I get every job and not to say that I, you know, that I uh, always like, you know, nail the pitch, but there's a certain amount of anxiety that is just not there for me. That is, I think, partly just from having just been in, been in that spot, been in that chair more times than I can count. So there's something that is just a little more comfortable for me, which I think is an advantage. And so I think that was helpful when I went to the CFC is that I just had a nice conversation with our, our showrunner and the, the people running the program. And I think I managed to fool them into thinking I was a nice person who would be good in a room. Uh, no, I actually do think I'm, I'm good in a room. And uh, I think it's very important to be good in a room because that's, the, the, that's really so much of the job. And I think, um, you know, if I'm concerned that how I would rack up against like, you know, the, the 2021 or the 2022 crew at the CFC in terms of like comparing like first bits of screenwriting and an application package, I do think I... I do think I would still, um, I think I would still do a pretty good interview because I do think that my sort of naturally collaborative spirit, it really is, that's the part, like, you know, I was talking about how I just, everything I heard about the TV writing job made me go, oh, I want to do that. Well, there's certain things where it's just like that job is, I'm well suited to a lot of that things in that job. And one of them I think is, is how much I enjoy working with other people and enjoy bouncing those ideas around and enjoy, you know, not using my idea because somebody across the table from me said something 10 times better that I'm now more excited about. Mm. And I'm, and I'm going to tell them that like, you know, and <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, or, you know, even like the, when things get tough in the writing room, you know, I, I just love that feeling when you finally crack something where you finally like, you finally like figure your way out of the escape room in the dark because right. of some offhanded comment somebody said, and suddenly, suddenly the way is clear and you just, you just feel like such a team because you were in the dark days together and now you've, you know, you've, you've figured something out together and it's, it's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, um, I was definitely actually it's a good segue into like my next question then. Um, what would you say is the most useful thing that, I don't know if it was something you were taught or just something you learned from your time at the CFC, but because um, I'm also curious, how did the CFC work in terms of, because what I've read on their website is that they try and simulate like what a writer's room would really be like. Is that mm -hmm. how it was working back when you were there in 2006? Yeah. So when I was there, it was a five or six month program. Like it started in, I don't know, mid to late September. And it went into the new year, like February ish. Right. Um, 
and maybe a trickling into March, if I remember. Uh, and anyway, it was the the sort of the before Christmas bit was a simulated writing room with the visiting professional of of the year. My year it was Barbara Samuels, and um, the and then the the after Christmas is more about working on your original materials and your samples and and your and your pitches and your pitching skills and really getting ramping up the number of guests that are coming in to visit. Uh, I don't know. I, I imagine that that is roughly how it still goes. I know that there's still a, a you know, a guest uh, executive producer, showrunner every year. Right. And um, so, yeah, that is, so in terms of my, what did I, what's the question? So, what did I learn? So, sorry. I got, it was my, I kind of asked two <laughs> questions and like a bit of a rambling style, but uh, from your time at the CFC, like looking back, like what would you think is like the most valuable thing you learned that has helped you in like your career as a TV writer? Um, yeah, a couple of things. I think it learned, I learned, you know, really to my surprise, the thing that I, one of the things that I learned was just what I was good at, where my skills were, because coming out of being a playwright, I was wrong about what I thought were my, my core skills. Like my, like, what do you bring to the baseball team kind of skills? I wrote plays that really had a, a strong plot element, and in some cases, like a surprise or a twist ending or like, you know, a bunch of like fake outs for the for the audience. <laughs> and in terms of following the story, like the story was was really uh, was really front and center in the, the the scripts that I was writing. I once joked that I was writing plays that reminded people of the TV they would rather be at home watching. Uh, <laughs> and um, because with theater, like there's like, the, you know, there's a you know, you can kind of do anything and there's just. There, there is, a, you can have a play where, where plot or story isn't really in the foreground. It's much more about a character study or examining an issue or examining a particular, you know, aspect of the human condition, or uh, there's, or there's something more of a poetic thing going on, right? which makes theater wonderful and also really hard to write. Um, <laughs> and, um, whereas I was doing stuff where it was very plot front and center. So I thought I was Mr. Plot, but then I got into the writing room at the CFC and I got there and we're writing, uh, you know, a four part mini series murder mystery. And I realized that I was about as good at plot and story as anyone else. Like it wasn't like the standout, like here's a twist. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone else was as good, if not better. Um, I didn't realize that I was, I mean, I applied with a comedy spec, but right. I really saw myself as like, well, I don't know whether I should do comedy or I should like, I wrote the plays that I wrote were a real mix of drama and comedy. And I was like, well, it's TV. The genres are a little more split up a bit, or at least I thought so at the time. Um, and so I wrote a comedy sample and applied with that because that was one of the stronger ones I had on my plate. But I I didn't really, it was it was in the room that I started to identify a bit more as, as a comedy person, as somebody <laughs> who, you know, and I was, um, you know, I realized, oh, like I wrote a comedy spec to get in, but I also like, I started out in sketch and improv, like back in Winnipeg in, in the day. So it's like, I have like a, now my comedy skills weren't super useful with what the, the what the genre that we were writing, but I mean, you know, eighty percent of the lessons that I needed to learn were not very genre specific anyway. Um, right. the, I will say that the thing the thing that I learned most was about the job of T rewriting and that story room mock story room experience was invaluable because it really was quite close 
to what the job is like. Um, now, the thing is, every showrunner is different. So those rooms, there's a variety of ways that those rooms run. And so, you know, I can see, you know, maybe if you ask me, like, after I did one job, I'd be like, oh, no, this job is completely different from the CFC. But it just comes down to, like, does your boss use these whiteboard or cards or, <laughs> or neither kind of a thing? Like, right. that's these are, you know, I mean, I have strong opinions about those choices, but, you know, there's there's a lot more that that the CFC got right about emulating that experience than than wrong um and um but i would say like you know funnily enough like i think the other thing that is maybe a thing that people don't understand about the cfc at least when i was there is that i mean i don't know that they necessarily taught me to write they didn't teach me to write tv they didn't teach me screenwriting i had to be able to do that in order to i did like they're you're applying with scripts you've written they're taking the best people the people that are like you know like they feel are a stone's throw from being able to step into the industry. So you kind of need to have figured out TV writing to a large extent in order to apply, um, which was something that I just did. I did on my own just from, you know, obviously my playwriting experience helped, but um, you know, it was a lot of like right. just Googling stuff and finding, and you know, as an, as an actor, I had no shortage of scripts lying around. Like I knew what film writing script uh, format looked like. I wasn't aware right. of, uh, there was a lot of nuances that I, I had to like look into further because I never thought about them very hard. And I never, there are differences in formatting that I wasn't aware of. And there are certainly <laughs> mistakes I made in my, in my sample script, but there was a lot that, you know, I just, you know, they, you know, they weren't teaching us how to write television. They were teaching us about how to do the job of being a TV writer. And I think a lot of that a lot of my growth while I was there didn't happen because people were giving me assignments about like describe five locations or write three, write, write me a hundred amazing slug lines or, you know, right. here's the scripts, <laughs> yeah. take five pages out of it. Like, <laughs> there wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, like, you know, X-Men danger room assignments kind of right. a thing, like for screenwriting, it was just, you know, learning by doing and getting feedback so it was a write and get notes write and get food notes from your peers write and get notes from your boss and that iterative and that iterative process was what made the um the scripts get better and made me better as a writer that's awesome to hear yeah that's sorry i, I wish i had a better response but like that's very good to hear and i hope well, one day to being the CFC myself, but uh, can I, I was just going to yeah, respond go ahead, and um, say, yeah, like there's something that's really great uh, that you mentioned, like about like how you see the wind there's window dressing between writer's rooms and like styles of like collaboration for creative production. But like at the end of the day, it's still like important window dressing, but still window dressing at the end of the day, that writer's room is just a, like a cohesive environment that you can find you know, in multiple places, it's, uh, and teaching you to like, actually know how to, as you said, like be good in a room, just in general, that's, I don't, it's a hard thing to teach in general. And, you know, it's to kind of cultivate that it's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I'm envious because, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> didn't quite get the same, uh, but anyway, yeah. Now I don't want to give the impression that I left the CFC, you know, I did five months and I was a perfectly like fully formed TV writer. I still right, learned a right. lot in my first jobs out of the CFC and in my first, you know, the stuff that I was working on on my own for years after that, still really 
I got into some real, like I painted myself into some really bad writing corners a few times. And there was still some very tough lessons that I learned on the job. Thank God I had understanding bosses and, you know, patient collaborators, but there was a lot there, but there was a, there was a lot that I learned. And it meant that when I first got around a table and we were collaborating with, with other writers, you know, I'd had, you know, a bunch of hours of that time. You know, another thing that I learned about while I was at CFC that I was surprised to learn about myself was how hard I, how difficult it was for me to spend an entire day sitting on my ass talking. Fair. I had not, I had gone from like, you know, restaurant work, waiting tables, being an actor, running around to auditions, doing writing on my own at home. But like, you sort of are like, you know, you're making your own hours. The, yeah. the, 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 there was a real culture shift and a real like physical, like it was a physical challenge in some ways to literally be sitting from nine till five, nine till six. And we were lucky. We didn't have like crazy hours at the CFC, like you might on some TV shows. Right. And it was a, but that was a very tough transition for me. Like I was used to being able to like get up and walk around and take more breaks and, you know, anytime we had any kind of a break, I was like out of my chair immediately and like outside and like walking around the grounds. And like meanwhile, there was like yeah. other people in my year, there was like, they would, they on that break, they would like just open up their laptop, check some email. Like it wouldn't even stand up. I was like, how are you? How, come, how do you do this? Now, Matt, it's like, you know, it's like a muscle, like anything, like I got, I've certainly yeah. gotten a lot better at, at it over the years, but I am still the guy who's like, you know, we're on a break. I'm out of my chair. Cause I just need to like visually refresh and right and it's it's become it's become a thing that i've sort of like embraced about myself as a writer as opposed to like try and fight too much like if i'm on my own writing a script where it's like okay you're going to draft you have like a week to write this this script you know to as much as possible i'm like you know writing for 90 minutes at home then i'm at starbucks for 90 minutes then i'm at uh you know the timothy's for an hour then i'm back <laughs> home for an hour like obviously pandemic uh, has affected that now it's more like the desk the couch the desk the couch but, <laughs> but mix, mixing mixing up my environment has been something that i've hung have on you, to but have you found the pandemic has like screwed with your like work rhythm that way or have you just been able to adapt uh it has it has screwed yeah it, it's the, the not having coffee shops has really messed me up but other than that i've been you know, more and more over the years since the CFC, my work has moved from being in writing rooms, being in a studio sort of a right. thing to more working, you know, it's more working from home or, you know, it's become more and more like pandemic style writing room stuff without the Zoom aspect. Right. And so I have, you know, developed a certain amount of a skill of like working or working from home writing skill. And there are times where it's just like, you know, Starbucks is closed, but I still got four hours of writing ahead of me kind of a thing. So I have figured out how to, how to make it work at home. Um, it mostly involves uh, keeping myself offline as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Probably good advice. <laughs> um, so what was your first, what was your first writing job you got post CFC, like right out of the gate? Uh, well, I did a little one on um, right out of the CFC for a kid's cooking show. Um called taste buds um but that was really that was a you know a great first experience and i you know i was like i got to you know like 
got to, I was like, I got a paycheck. I could replace the laptop that was dying that I wrote. I wrote all the, <laughs> the scripts to get the job on. Um, and, uh, uh, but it wasn't really writing much in the way of like story and the way we normally think of it. It was, um, it was more of a how to show. So okay. my, my first real job was a show called how to be indie, which was a YTV series, um that um i both remember that show we both like we were talking about growing up yeah we were (laughs) amazing cool yeah that was my first that was my first gig that was my first um my first job i was john may suzanne bolch and vera santa maria and um you know john and suzanne have hired me you know a countless times since and i owe them so much they were you know they're my original mentors and uh yeah i got into that job as a story editor i had done a few interviews to be a story coordinator and holy crap am i glad i did not get those jobs um because i would have been absolutely terrible um that's the spirit yeah so i started in as a as a as a story editor we yeah the, the title was story editor which is one of those terms that means like nine different things depending on who you ask and what situation it applies to. But in this minute, may like kind of like staff writer. Okay. So it was, a, and it was, it was 26 half hours. So it was, oh, a, I know it was a big, it was a big order. It was a marathon that we sprinted and it was so instructive. Like I learned so much, um, hmm. a lot, you know, and that was definitely a case where, you know, my writing, really progressed but i also just learned so much about how tv was made because we were i was like i had an office in the studio and the set was you know a a 10 minute walk away in the building sort of a thing so when i got stuck on like oh man where could where could babaji hide in the basement i could like go to the basement set and look around and be like oh yeah you probably fit in this freezer What were the what were the hours like on a twenty six episode order? If maybe that's an amateur question, but no, I mean I think that I I always wonder that, and I think it really matters. But I uh, that's a that's a whole very interesting kettle of fish. Honestly, they were very they were very humane hours, partly because the cast was mostly kids, so you're dealing right. with. Yep kids like you you we i think the latest we ever ever wrapped a day of shooting might have been 7 p.m okay um and uh you know i was in i think i was in i was in maybe nine to six or seven most days but i also at the time i was uh had like uh my son who was like five or six years old at the time and uh, I had him, I was sort of like a halftime single parent. So I had him okay. half of the week and my, my ex had him half of the week. And so I had to like go through my agent to like try and ask, you know, very oh. nicely, like, listen, is there going to be any chance that I could just leave at five just on Mondays and Tuesdays so I can get my son from daycare because it closes at six. And I, you know, they said that would be fine. And, uh, that was like that. I was like hugely relieved. Um, and my, then I then learned through other jobs afterwards that that was an even bigger, (laughs) it was like a bigger ask than I even realized in terms of like the culture of TV hours and stuff. And then I, I, you know, I very soon had a friend who was like working on a show where I was like, we're ordered dinner again. Oh, we're here till midnight again. And I have, I've, and I've been on those shows too, but it was like, luckily it was like, you know, I was working out of town 
and right. was sort of away from home for like two or three months and had other arrangements in place. But um, yeah, if it wasn't for that, that accommodation, I don't know how it would have been hard for me to accept the job if I didn't Fair, have that. Yeah. And then even as it was, you know, leaving, leaving, like, you know, leaving the office at five o'clock, two days a week, um, there was the bit of like walking through the production on it. Uh, you have to like leave through the production office and there's the gauntlet of like wisecracks about keeping bankers hours. And I'm like, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, as soon as I get home, I'm going to be writing again. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to like, you know, get my kid an hour and a half of TV and fish sticks. And like, I'm going to be, I, I swear I'm not, I don't actually yeah. have a weekend. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, that was, but that it was, uh, the hours were not too, too crazy. And I know that for the, but for the, the coordinator who once told me, Mike, you have the best job in this whole show. And he was right <laughs> because I mean, he was like, anytime, uh, anytime that I showed up, he was already there. Anytime that I was leaving, he had a few hours left to like get strip scripts out the right. door, whatever. Like, and uh, so I was like, you know, I had the job where it was like just that, that perfect spot on the pecking order where I got to do tons of fun, creative things. I got to write a, a handful of scripts. I got to learn all this cool stuff. I got to write a joke on Tuesday and see the prop was already like half made by like Thursday <laughs> kind of a thing. And, but I didn't have like the stress of all kinds of other headaches that come with right. being a, the coordinator. Um, so yeah, again, I, 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 I was told at the time that I had the best job on the show and I've since then realized, yep, that was true. That was true. <laughs> Cause ultimately like, you know, it didn't take much. Like if I, if I wrote something that was like, you know, okay, my bosses were going to do the, do a big, you know, I had like, there was a senior writer and two and three showrunners that were there to like do a pass anyway. So some of my, my bad writing was going to get ironed out just by that process alone let alone, right. you know, oh, we got to rebreak this. So <laughs> fair. That's uh, yeah, that sounds like a lot, but that's, Sorry, I, feel, was, uh, I, I really feel like I'm rambling and that I'm dominating the no, conversation. No, 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 I need no, to remind no. myself you did. It is an interview. Like I'm allowed to. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we want, this is what we want. This is the content we want. We want to hear from someone who's I, like worked in the industry more than us and has me, like, mm -hmm, been to mm -hmm. a, yes. <laughs> uh, me, program that's me, not, er, <laughs> yeah. I would never want to drone on like this long in a, in a writing room is the thing. So <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Well, at this point, we're just we're like for, we're happy to have you on, but also like major, majority of our episodes have been people from York because like most of the people we know went to film school went to York with us. So we're right. like, please speak as much as you like. We're, this is not, this is like we're happy for it. Believe me. Cool, 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 cool. And also, I had no idea, like the stress of like how to be indie. Like I, I, I just <laughs> that was lost to me. Even now, that like wow, that's just. That's crazy to me. So I didn't know twenty six episodes. Like that's then they did two seasons. Oh my gosh! Well, by said, but for by the second season, so they did twenty six half hours of that, and then like a few months later, John and Suzanne rolled into season two of their series Connor Undercover, which they brought me on board for. Uh, brought me on board for, and then uh, and then the following year, or you know, eight months after that. Then it was out of how to be how to be indie season two, but by which point then I was co-producer, so I was supervising on set for that, okay. um, which is a whole other whole other kettle of monkeys. Um, but yeah, no, children's <laughs> TV it looks really fun and like fun and serene, and you know you'd think that everything it's all like 
happy dappy and like honestly it really is especially compared to like some other like corners of of showbiz really is but it's still just really hard to make things so there's always going to be that stress of like not only is there 26 half hours and each of them has an a story and a b story and a c and a c plot but it's like you know what if you know the broadcaster like throws out three of our outlines or what if we what if we get a, a script to the first draft stage and then realize we've already basically done this exact story already you were just <laughs> you know. i can't even imagine it's, that you're specking yeah. your own show at this point like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like a lot of typing have what was this what was the episode order for season two of how to be Andy? was it 26 as well it was 26 as well oh geez, but, but i think then ytv then in airing split it into two seasons so i think if you go on IMDb, okay. it's like season one is 26 yeah. season two is is 13 season three is 13 but we we made them like all right. um consecutively so and it's like yeah like you really like there's really like oh you know someone comes into your office and it's like got a bit of an issue with um with uh with 117 and it's like okay. oh which one is that again <laughs> <laughs> so i because i know you've also worked in animation mike what was your first uh what was your first gig writing gig for animation because now you've written for go away unicorn and corner gas animated series and magic school bus yes sorry I don't, i'm telling you this you know this um but <laughs> Boy, i like to hear sorry. it out loud <laughs> sorry yeah I didn't, I didn't mean to like let me let me tell you what you've done mike but uh, <laughs> um what was your what was your first uh animated writer's gig my first gig was again for John May and Suzanne Bulge was uh, a show. I think it was called oh, Rusty Rudy. No, Rusty Rusty Rivets. Okay. It was from the same folks that created Paw Patrol. Mm. Okay, and it was a series that was meant to be more about like sort of STEM, like you know, showing kids like being a tinkerer like lots of like gadgetry right. like making a cool gadget out of junkyard stuff every episode and oh, cool. it was um it was 3d animation as opposed to 2d so it was all sort of like um virtual characters in virtual spaces which is a big distinction in terms of different types of animation that one might write for and they have certain different um they have different uh there's different things that are difficult about writing for versus easy depending on which you're you're writing for um and as it happens i guess they partly took a shot on shot with me because i'd proven myself as someone to like not be a complete monster to people on the job <laughs> and also i'm you know i write funny things and i've written stuff for young audiences and 3d animation is a little closer to physical like real live action production than the other types of animation in the sense that it's like you've got these digital assets that you have sets and you have character designs that are you know they put a lot of right. time and resources into creating them and they can't just not use them you know, it's kind of like having limited physical sets or having like, imagine right. there was a thing where it's like, uh, we don't have any money in the budget for any new costumes. Right. Mm. Okay. Um, so, or we don't have any, or it's like, you know, writing with a, with that, with sort of like being, um, you know, especially writing as a Canadian live action TV writer in the, you know, writing in the kids space or the teen space where, you know, it's like, you're trying to save money everywhere you can being able to write under those sort of writing constraints, I think was very helpful for me writing on that show, you know, and I don't think the show did 
went for very long. I only wrote a couple of episodes, but then when the remember that remember back in my story where I said that the story coordinator on how to be indie was um was the was like, the first to show up and the last to yeah. leave and said I had the best job in town. So yes. by the time uh so then flash forward like however many years, uh Evan Hickey is now running uh our co co-head writer on Inspector Gadget which is also 3D animated. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm and now he's in a position to hire me as to be my boss and had good memories of me like being like, you know, not too much of a jerk on how to be indie and right. wrote good scripts <laughs> or whatever. So when he heard that I had 3D writing, 3D animated writing experience, it suddenly checked a box that would make it impossible for him to hire me otherwise. Um and so I got to do some Inspector Gadget, and then that led to some other stuff. And then eventually, again, John May and Suzanne Bolch with um, uh, Magic uh, Magic School Bus Rides again. So, um, yeah, it's been super fun. You know, it's crazy. Like, one, I wrote a 45-minute Magic School Bus special, which I'm going to guess is is probably going to drop on Netflix. Um, this is all speculation. I have no idea what's happening with it. But if I had to guess, it's going to be on at some point around the Olympics just because it's <laughs> content that is like Olympics adjacent. Right. Okay. And I like, think I, I, think I wrote that. that four years ago. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say we first met like a couple years ago and I remember, I like distinctly now that you're saying this, this rings a bell. I remember you telling me about this, I think. Yeah. So the timelines in terms of like, when you remember, like, you know, it's like you write a joke on Monday and they have a, they have the joke prop for you to look at on Thursday. Right. This is a very, it's a very different world. <laughs> Hmm. I mean, yeah. partly that's a bit artificial because it's Netflix holding on to to to, to content yeah. to drop on a you know right. as the, like, sort of like liberally throughout the court the year sort of a thing. Yeah, but uh, but still, yeah, just just everything takes so much longer in animation. That's really interesting. So, can you think of a? Can you? I'm kind of going back. I guess I'm kind of backpedaling. But can you think of a time like or an example or a story of when uh, in the writer's room for Rusty Rivets or even another animated show, you guys had a story idea or a B-plot, but the animators came to you and said like they couldn't do it or that to, to avoid something visually? Uh, well, I know that that was a show where I I had, I, had, I had pitched and we ended up making an episode where these little robots were running around and did, were running amok in the town and needed to be caught. And, um, the, uh, there was a, a thing where they caught one of them, they made a trap and they caught one in a net. And one of the, one of the notes that came in was like, could it be a cage? Because it's very, it's, it's, it's easier to make, to make rigid structures in 3d animation. Mm -hmm. And so something like a net or a, or a flowing fabric, right. it's just going to have so many points of flexion and so much movement to it. And, and it's going to need to have yeah. so many times that it moves per second to look even halfway believable because our eyes, there's certain things where our eyes are very forgiving and they kind of do the animators work for us in terms of like our brain, our eyes and our brain tricking us. And then there's other ways where our brains are very persnickety <laughs> where it's like, Wow, if the pupil is yeah. not a, like so exactly center on that eyeball, we see this character is drunk. <laughs> but, but for something else, it's like you know, it's like something. Right. There's another thing, like a, you know, it's just we just we just buy it immediately. You know, mm. you know, the, the the mouth flap of an animated character is like you know, right. bears a passing resemblance to like what the mouth is actually doing, and we don't we don't care. <laughs> but the um, 
but uh, yeah, so it was, it ended up becoming like more of a cage that fell down on the character. Okay, I remember there was fair. something else where it was, there was something, I don't think it was that episode, but it was like, there was something like, you know, we wanted to be like, and then someone turns into a windsurfing teddy bear. And they're like, we can't do water. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, we could do all the way underwater because then it's like right, you're it's doing like a color treatment and people, even characters are moving slower because they're walking around on the bottom of the lake or something and you have some bubbles and then, you know, Bob's your uncle. But the surface of the water or waves lapping or something or somebody like falling in a puddle, it's like maybe Please we can no. do a little bit of it if it's really worth it for the story point or the joke. But right. for the stuff that we were pitching, it was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you. Those kinds of uh, those those kinds of like flowing 3D assets, they take forever because like rigs take so long to make, let alone just like to, to make a whole puddle for like yeah. one scene. It's like, man, that's going to be so expensive. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And because sense. because the various rigs are take so long to make, there's also a lot of encouragement of reusing stuff that you've used before. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, hey, this, um, you know, the judge for the beauty pageant of the uh, of the or the pie contest or whatever, like, could it be uh, this janitor <laughs> that we saw three episodes ago? <laughs> it's like, yeah, why not? <laughs> because then they don't have to build like a whole other person now. But yeah. the thing is, like, now all these things are very easy, like are easy, you know, these are all learnable things in terms of the limitations. But I think what the, the issue becomes that a lot of people who are who love animation and maybe get really like drawn into it, they're they fell in love with Pixar or DreamWorks, like stuff that's at a level of complexity and budget that is just like stratospheres above, yeah, you know, pretty much any series that that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, especially like, you know, for kids. So it's just, yes, there are 3D animated things that would do all, they would do the most amazing waves and they do the most amazing, you know, nets. They, the they nets are so, of dollars. so sublime, the nets on some of those, <laughs> those Pixar. That's, that's what we're watching to find a game for, is that net when he scoops them oh, up. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly. the Oscar. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. You just watch it. You just rewind that. Make that a gift. But... Uh, <laughs> But for the typical project that, you know, uh, I was going to be working on, that was just, it's just a whole different, whole different deal. But, you know, like same thing with live action, like, you know, do you show the helicopter crash or do you show two characters looking out a window with lights flashing on their faces, looking horrified while we play the sound of a crash? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like as, uh, as Moss and I, I mean, our experience pales in comparison, but with like student films, with what people were, there were all, there were many ambitious people at York who wanted to do more than uh, our like pocket budgets would allow for our yeah. like 10 minute student films. Yeah. And we all, we all learned it the hard way. <laughs> but again, like it comes to like what I was saying about like the, it was the, the doing of a, of a school related project was what I got the most out of at the CFC. Like, I mm-hmm. think the same is true with my actor training, you know, for every class of like sitting around, like, you know, doing like lip trills and diction <laughs> practice or, right. or, or whatever. It was the, it was the, the fully mounted productions that we did with a rehearsal process and a director and an audience eventually and a short run. Those were the experiences where I really learned a lot and, and to be learning it in a, in a, 
environment where there's a lot of talking shop happening as people like figure out their process. Same thing when I was without being at the CFC, the process of like creating that season and having getting to the point where we could get actors in for a table read and really hearing them out loud and getting our, and then doing that in an environment that was really, everyone was sort of nerding out on the topic of what's good writing. What's a good show. Where's the industry going? What, you know, da, 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 would this sell? If so, to whom, like that was, that was the most, the most valuable thing was, was the mock practice because it was really, you know, really ultimately, you know, ultimately like, you know, opening night at a theater school for a packed audience is going to, you know, that's make to your brainstem. It can't tell the difference between that and, you know, like a quote unquote real production and, you know, sitting down for a table read as, as the writer with your name as under, with a written by credit on the episode, like, you know, your shoulders are just as high at the CFC for that table read as they are for, you know, when you've got, you know, you know, you've got uh, people people from three different cities on the phone line, listening to the table read. And, you know, if there isn't Mm. a check mark next to every joke, there's going to (laughs) be, there's going to be, there's going to be a meeting. (laughs) that's uh that's awesome that's good to hear we're kind of at the end of our time but uh just to wrap just to wrap up i do have one more question and this is yeah kind of no just, that's good um sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i just i try i do try to keep these podcasts just to an hour just for our, for our listeners sake for like all 12 people who do listen like I might as well keep it uh <laughs> hey, hey 13 people oh, course, i think i yeah. said <laughs> but uh do you have because i didn't actually know i don't think um you ever told me about your playwriting experience and that's like that's interesting to me just because well i mean i don't have my playwriting experience is mostly in high school and the fact that like every time i when we were allowed to travel every time i went to new york i would see as many shows as i could and toronto when i could see a play i would as well if i could afford it but um do you have a favorite play or uh, that you've either read or seen in the last couple or just do you have a favorite play period do I have a favorite play? Oh my God. Um, I am man. Oh man. Okay. I'm going to not think about what I've necessarily read because I've seen more than I've read, but, um, Okay, I'll. Get, I have one of my answers would okay. be the thing that is almost not a play, which would be uh, "Sleep No More." Just saw in New York, which is a very Ooh. sort of experiential wander around. You went to sleep. You 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 went to sleep no more. I went when to sleep, you go to sleep no, no more. more. When sleep no more was on. Fair. Sorry. 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 <laughs> sorry. 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 I'm like I've always I've always wanted to go, but I've never. Yeah. I, I'm no, just, I, went, I don't know. I went to New my wife and I went to New York and I went, I don't want to say maybe 2011, 2012 okay. and saw it. And, uh, that was a mind blowing experience just in terms of the scale and the, 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 and the scope of it. Um, but in terms, but that is a very, um, that is a, ve- that's more of a, I feel like that's as much an, uh, a fine art or a visual art experience as it was a theater experience. So, um, I would say in terms of like more like straight theater, here's what I'm not saying is David Mamet. <laughs> I feel like it's such a playwright thing. <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a playwright who now writes TV sort of an answer. That, um, fair enough. 
I would say there's a play called The Overcoat that I saw at Canadian Stage okay. years ago, which is mm. it's basically music and and gesture. Like there's no, as to my memory, there's no dialogue, and it's about a a mm. poor man who finds an an, an an marvelous overcoat, and it's just like this wild adventure that gets takes some Kafka-esque turns as he Ooh. as it sort of like changes his fortunes, and it was captivating and marvelous and just so over the top in so many ways it was and it you know it's it's it still stands stands out of my memory i think morris panich uh devised it and wrote it and um i think it still stands out in my mind as one of those things it's like everything i love about theater there's nothing to do with film and tv but obviously there's stuff that's larger than life for film and tv yeah. too and i love and i love that so so yeah on the one hand um you know it's like oh this tale of a man swept away by the his changing fortune with his overcoat he found. And also that one fight in the Witcher. (laughs) That's That's pretty cool though. That's uh, that sounds interesting. I like, I wish like now looking back on like the plays I've seen, it's all, uh, it's just mostly in New York. So it's always like the typical, like a David Mamet or a Tennessee Williams, or like I saw the angels in America revival a couple years ago, but I'm, I, I would like to now that like of course now that the pandemic is on I've like told myself that like the second like theater opens up in Toronto regularly again I'm going to like go to more and try to see like more experimental yeah. or just diff- or just different things I don't, I don't know if experimental is the right word but yeah no I just can't wait to see all kinds of weird stuff yeah I I want to go back to Toronto fringe and actually see I only, I saw one thing at fringe uh 2019 where it was interesting it was like a one-woman show but because this woman she um when she was a kid she had her own private phone line in like the late 80s early 90s and she like kept her answering machine and all the tapes from the answering machine and uh she kind of just talked about her life while playing these messages and whatnot wow cool it was yeah it was really cool to listen to and like this like this weird little time capsule but uh Thank you again for coming on the podcast, Mike. Seriously, like, thank you very much for taking. Yeah, time my out your pleasure. Day. I hope that's uh, hope that's helpful. Oh no, no it dude, was, you were it great. Was, it was like fascinating. Amazing interview. Like, seriously, yeah, this was a like we'll have you on again sometime if in the in the sometime in the future. But um, we'll have to go any- to, to a film school again first. Or? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know the criteria. That's it's just that that's, simple. This, we don't make the rules, Mike. It's by being our podcast. <laughs> the <laughs> format is the format. You want to yeah, be on the show or not? We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a star? Come on. <laughs> I, I definitely want to get you on again, just so I could like fully embroil you in my pitch, where I I combine no exit with Uncle Vanya, because now oh. that I know that you're like a. <laughs> Now I know what you're saying. So I'm not going to go into it now, but it'll be fun for next time. Um, yeah, just just to because don't get too many uh, uh, traditional theater people on here, unlike Z- or uh, like Zach. So it's great for that. Awesome. You know, I feel like I was really, really biased against giving you anything like a traditional theater person. At, at, I answer like any, any Shaw, no, any Shakespeare, no, wouldn't do, no, wasn't going to do it, no mammoths, but I've seen all that and loved it too yeah it's nice. still good stuff it's always the board like i used to tell people my favorite play was like cat on a haunting roof and i was sick of getting like looks and like eye rolls so no i don't i don't really have one now but yeah <laughs> but um do you have anything before we end do you have anything you want to plug that you're working on or uh like oh i'm because i know the next season of jan is currently shooting or uh the next season of jan is uh we are wrapped we are finishing oh, up post-production it's going to premiere in the fall so um Puzzle yeah out. check out jan season three on ctv i don't have a date for you but That's it's gonna be wild mm, and nice. fingers crossed for us season four 
yeah, f- I, yeah, seriously, fingers crossed. You guys have been doing great on that. If you bring so me like, back, if you bring me back again, I could just spend the whole time talking about how much fun it is to work on Jan. You know, we just might, honestly. Yeah, that sounds. I would love to hear those stories as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but, definitely. Um, that's about it. Yeah, thank you again for coming. Seriously, my pleasure. I Went to Film School is recorded in Toronto, Canada, and produced by Zach Gladstone and Anthony Moss.